Hey, if you need a Bible this morning, we have Bibles, so raise your hand. We want to make sure you have one uh, as we read together. And uh, I invite you guys this morning to open up to the book of Acts, chapter 5. Acts, chapter 5. Uh, you probably know, most likely, what it's like to get a report card. Uh, has it, raise your hand if you've gotten a report card before. A lot of report cards here. I don't know what they do at homeschool. Do you guys... Do you guys get report cards in homeschool? I don't really know. No? Okay. Well, there are those days every once in a while for those of you who go to school uh, where you get from your teacher something called a report card. And you guys, some of you might know what that feels like to get a report card. Uh, It's possible you've been working really hard at school this year in some certain areas uh, to try to get a better grade than you had last time, and and it's report card day, and you get that note from your teacher and open it, and you see your grades. And it's a good feeling when you see your grades are better. Uh, You went from a D minus in PE to a C minus. I'm just kidding. That'd That'd be really bad if you were doing that. I can remember that feeling of of getting a report card and how that would feel. Um, I remember ninth grade going into a brand new high school and uh, that feeling of knowing the report card was coming. But the first class I took in high school was algebra, 8 a.m. And it was not good. I took a test and that very first test of high school, I totally failed. It was the worst feeling. And all I could think about was the report card that was coming. I I remember being really concerned, really nervous about what would the report card say? What would it say about how I was doing in school? Uh, Thankfully, my teacher let me retake the test. uh, And I actually learned a little bit from that. I learned that you should study for tests. And that helped me a lot in high school. It's something you should learn. But it can help to have a report card. You, you, we get that, right? It's helpful for you to know how your progress is going as you're going through school. It's helpful for you to hear from your teacher or from your parents uh, about how you're doing. Uh, and there are some good things that we can learn from looking at a report card. Uh, to know uh, what we're learning are the things that we should be learning and that we're doing well in what we're learning. And, and that's sort of what we look at this morning in the book of Acts. It's sort of like a report card. Uh, Luke, the author of this book, gives us a report card about how things were going in the early days of the church. He wanted to give you an understanding of how progress was going, how things were from God's viewpoint. He tells us here about uh, the church, this new group of people that had repented and were believing in Jesus and had found salvation through faith in Christ. Uh, They had had their sins forgiven, and they had been brought into a right relationship with God, and they had been brought into this new thing called the church. And this church was growing a lot. We've seen that in the first few chapters of Acts. The last time that they even say how many people there were in this church was in chapter 4, verse 4, where uh, he says that there were about 5,000 men, and that's not including women and children. There were thousands and thousands of people in this brand new church. And here in chapter four, kind of near the end, 
starting in verse 32 this morning, we, we kind of get an update on how things were going. We get a report card about what God assessed of this church, how he thought they were doing. And we get an update, and, and I think in this update, we should pay attention. There's some stuff for us to learn about what God wants for the church. And there's a lot we can learn through these uh, verses, through this report card. We, we learn about what God is like, what he expects, what he wants for the church. Uh, we learn uh, from good examples, and we learn from not-so-good examples. And we should also learn what God wants for us, what he wants for us as we live uh, in a church and the joy that he wants us to have in being a part of a church. And so I want us to just study this, this report a little bit this morning. And uh, maybe I'll give you this big idea that we can see here and that we need to know from this chapter. And it's that God wants his church to be healthy and holy. What stands out here are, are some areas that God cares very deeply about how his church is doing. He wants his church to be healthy, and he wants them to be holy. Let's start reading in verse 32 of chapter 4. Luke writes that the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all were owners of land or houses, and they would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought it and bought the, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart and have not, you have not lied to men, but to God? And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes. That was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her 
beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Here was a report, a little bit of an update about how things were going in this new church that God had been establishing after Jesus had ascended and gone away into heaven. And so far in the first few chapters of this book of Acts, we've been really learning some exciting things about what God did on this earth, what he was doing here in the church. We've had a lot of good news, a lot of exciting things that have happened. But here in chapter 5, we hear about the entrance of sin. We see that sin has made its way into the church. And from this report, as we look at it this morning, there's, there's really two key things I think we can see and understand and think about as we study this. And, and the first point that we could look at is that God wants his church to be healthy. Verses 32 through 37 show us that God wants a healthy church. Luke is showing us here in these verses what the new believers in, in Jesus at Jerusalem were focused on during these exciting days. Here were some of the top priorities that marked the life of this church in its first days. And really, it's encouraging to see and look at what was happening here. We, uh, we could say these people were getting it right. They had a good report card here. And Luke, the author, gives us uh, this understanding of some of the pieces of what was happening here. I, I can't even really imagine how amazing this time would have been to see these miracles that God was doing, to see how God was totally transforming thousands of people's lives. Becoming a Christian is not just being saved from sin and from judgment. Becoming a Christian is being saved to something and for something. And God was saving many people for himself. That's what Luke shows us with these first Christians. They lived now with great joy, glorifying God. They were no longer living for themselves, but they were living for God. And that overflowed in a love for other people too. That's what we see here. God had saved these people, not just from their sin. He had saved them to a new life glorifying him. And we could really describe this as a healthy church, a spiritually healthy church. There's some key things here, some some pieces of the puzzle that make a healthy church. And verse 32 tells us one of those pieces. It's that the church was united. It says they were of one heart and one soul. The church was healthy because it was filled with people who were not focused on themselves anymore. They were focused on others. They were focused on loving each other. And that meant that there wasn't division, but instead there was unity. There was peace in their relationships in the church. Verse 32 also tells us that this church was was known not only for its unity, but also for its selfless giving. They weren't focused on themselves, but on giving away what they had. Verse 32, uh, they weren't clinging to their things as their own, but all things were common to them. 
And verse 34 even tells us because of all this selfless giving, there wasn't one needy person among these thousands of people in their church. This church was healthy because it was a generous church. And this isn't talking about some kind of weird uh, thing like maybe you've heard about communism where everyone has to share. That's not what this is saying. Uh, Luke is just saying that these people were known for the fact that they gave up their possessions because they loved the Lord and they loved one another. They gave away what they had in love. They had uh, been saved from, from looking for all their joy in stuff. But now they knew that they had a treasure in heaven with Christ. And they found joy in giving away what they had so that others could know Christ too. And then lastly, in verse 33, there's another piece of this healthy church. And it's that they were not afraid to tell the world about Jesus. Verse 33 says, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. They were faithful to share with others about who Jesus was. And they didn't just do it in their words. They did it with the way that they lived as a church. These words are all kind of giving us a picture, not all of it, but at least a picture, a little glimpse of what a healthy church looks like. It's filled with people who are saved away from their sin to God. It's filled with people who are changed from the heart, who are united, who are selfless, who are giving, who are telling the world about Jesus. And one perfect example, not a perfect man, but a good example of this was Barnabas. He's in verse 36 and 37. His name given by the apostles was son of encouragement. He was one of the people, one of the thousands of people in the church who you could say was a great example of what Jesus can do in people's lives. Barnabas, this is the first we hear of him, but we'll find that he did great things for the glory of God with his life and telling the world about Jesus. He was one example of what a healthy church should be made up of, people like this. I wonder if you can think of Christians like that. Christians who are selfless and who give what they have to others. I can think of a lot of Christians in my life. I can think of very specific Christians. Christians who, yes, they knew the gospel and they talked about it and they talked about how much we need to know Jesus, but they also showed how wonderful it is to know Jesus. They showed it with the way that they gave up their time, the way that they cared for other people who could not give them anything in return. I can think of people who loved other Christians even when it was hard. Christians who were united and and showed the world, showed me what it was like to know Jesus Christ. Luke's report card was saying that that was this church. It was a healthy church, and they were living the life that God wanted for them. And, you know, God wants this same thing for our church, too. God wants these same elements to exist at Grace Community Church here today. He wants us to be a united, a selfless, a loving, 
church that's committed to Christ and that's committed to bring with power the the news about Jesus Christ to the world. He wants this church to be a spiritually healthy church. And I love the fact that there are some of you here that have come to know Jesus Christ. And that means that you are part of this church. And let me just encourage you, following Christ looks like you pursuing these things in your own life. This isn't just for the old people in our church. Some of these things are for us too. To love selflessly. To give what you have for others in need. To get along with people who you wouldn't normally want to get along with, maybe. To show people who Jesus Christ is with your words and with your life. I just want to encourage you, be that kind of Christian. You're not too young to care about these things. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you know you're not. I just want you to know, we want you to know the joy of being part of a church. There is nothing in this world that compares to being part of God's church, to being saved from your sins, but also being brought into his body, to his people, to be part of what God is doing here in this world and to know the joy of living for him and not just for yourself anymore, but for others. That's what was happening here in this first church. And it's really an encouraging thing to see, isn't it? So here we learn from this report, God wants his church to be spiritually healthy. But we also see one other closely connected part of what God wants here. And it's, it's also that God wants his church to be holy. God wants his church to be holy. In chapter five, starting in verse one, all the way through 11, there's this big plot twist. Up to this point, everything seemed so awesome in the church. It's been all like really good news. There's been persecution from the outside, but they've triumphed. There's been success over that. But here is really the first bad part of the report card we get about what was happening in the church. And right after we've met this hero named Barnabas, we also meet some very much non-heroes named Ananias and Sapphira. And really, they're sort of contrast. They're totally opposite from Barnabas. You can see in verse 36 and 37, Barnabas had owned a tract of land and he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But then in verse 1, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. This man, Luke says, did something that seemed very close to what Barnabas did in verse 37. He sold his property. He was giving selflessly and generously. But there was something off. There was something very wrong with what Ananias had done. So much so that we hear uh, one of the most intense and honestly one of the most shocking kind of scary stories that we hear in all of the New Testament. God strikes Ananias and Sapphira dead. 
Why? What had Ananias done that was wrong? Well, he was generous. He had done some commendable things here in giving away some of his money. But the issue is not really that he, you know, didn't give enough. The issue was that he had lied. And the problem is a very serious problem in God's eyes that Ananias and Sapphira were deceivers. They had kept back some of the money and they were pretending to be more generous and more godly than they really were. They were deceivers. The issue in the church was hypocrisy. You've probably heard that word before. Jesus spoke about the danger of something called hypocrisy. To be a hypocrite is to not be who you say you are. A hypocrite uh, would, that word actually is connected and could also be used to talk about somebody who's an actor. Maybe you guys have acted in a play before. Has anybody here ever been in a play like, I don't know, Sound of Music? There's some Sound of Music people you have. Yeah, okay. I have too. I, I think it's cool. I think it's great if you're in a play. Uh, maybe you had a lot of fun. You memorized some lines. Uh, you had a costume. You did a part. Some people laughed. Well, the danger for the church is that we would put on an act, that we would say we're Christians, but that we would not really act as Christians. And God in this story takes that very, very seriously. This couple in the church try to make themselves look way more spiritual than they really are. They try to get other people's attention as being the generous couple in this church, just like Barnabas. And this hypocrisy, this lie, was not just to men. Verse 4 says it was to God himself. It was to the Holy Spirit. God does not like to be lied to. God does not like lying. Verse 5 and. As he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all those who heard of it. Verse 6, the young men get up, they cover him up, they carry him out, and they buried him. The same goes for his wife, Sapphira, a few hours later. Uh, Peter gives her a question in verse 8 to allow her to confess her lie. He even gives her that chance, but she keeps up the act. It's still pretend And she says, yes, that's right. She also lied. In verse 10, Sapphira also falls down and breathes her last. And the young men came in and they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and everyone who had heard about what happened. The consequence for the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was that God was going to judge them. And it was a serious judgment. Some people have called this the story of the couple that lied and died. Lying is a scary sin. And they died because God wanted to show an immediate judgment for what sin deserves in the church. For their lie, for their offensive sin before God, there was instant judgment. This story shows us how holy God is, doesn't it? It shows us how God feels about when we sin. 
It shows about how God feels about sin and lying and hypocrisy in his church. And it shows us what God cares about in our lives. I wonder what we should do with this story. Well, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, and you get to be part of what God is doing in in a church, let me just encourage you to think about the Christian life this way. God's way, to care about what God cares about. To know that God doesn't think of sin lightly. He takes sin seriously. God cares about holiness in his church. And he saved us so that we would live holy lives. Not just so that we would be saved from our sin in the past, but so that we would be saved from a life of sin in the future. And God wants us to be in that battle to fight for holiness as Christians with his Holy Spirit working in us. If you're a Christian, you need to be somebody who speaks the truth, who doesn't lie, who lives out what they say they are, to love and worship God from your heart on the inside, not just fake it on the outside. Peter, who had watched this story unfold that day, uh, he later wrote a letter called First Peter. And I, I wonder, maybe he even was thinking of this very story when he wrote these words. He said to the Christians that he wrote to in First Peter that just as God who has called you is holy, so you are to be holy in all you do. That's a good takeaway from this story. Ananias and Sapphira didn't think it mattered that much that they lied. Uh, They didn't care about how things were on the inside with God. They kind of started to just care about what other people thought on the outside, not holiness in their hearts. And that's an important example for us to watch and to learn from. And maybe this morning, again, you know you're here and you're not a Christian And I'm so glad you are here because you need to know if if you're a hypocrite, if you're faking your Christian faith, God is not pleased with that. Maybe you know that you're against God in the way you're living. You need to know that God is holy. He judges and hates sin. He takes sin very seriously. He wanted this church to know that. But there's also a word of great hope. God saves sinners. He not only will judge sinners, he will also save sinners who believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Back in this story in chapter 4, in verse 33, at those last few words, if you turn there and look, it says these words, that abundant grace was upon all of the church. That church was marked, was filled with, was characterized by God's grace. That's what it is to be a Christian, to receive God's undeserved kindness and love to you, though you were a sinner, to receive God's forgiveness from your sins and to be brought into a life living for him instead of for yourself. And if you're here this morning and you know that's you, you need to turn to Jesus today. Well, there's time. You need to to look to Christ 
so that you will not be judged by God who is holy one day because of your sin. Jesus says to those who come to him, he will save them. He will give them rest. He will make you white as snow. If you come to Jesus, his perfect holiness, his righteousness will be credited to you. You will be given his robes of righteousness. And so you need to know that you should not put off coming to Christ one more day. God is holy and he cares that his church is holy. And God cares that his church lives a healthy life spiritually. And here this morning, we really just get sort of a report card. Here's how things were going in the early church. There were some good things and and some areas where things weren't going so well. There were some subjects that the first church was seeing that God really cared about. And it's all of these areas we looked at. God cares that his church is healthy and he's holy. And I wonder what God would say about you or where you stand in that whole picture. What would he say about our church? What would he say about us? Let's pray to him now. Christ, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you came and died so that we would not be judged by a holy God, but that we could be forgiven and made righteous. Thank you, Lord, that you save sinners and bring them into your church. Lord, we pray that uh, we would live as a holy church as you want us to live. God, we know that you are the same in every age. You never change. Your holiness never changes. Help us to worship you as you deserve and to live for you as you deserve from the inside out. Not just on the outside, Lord, but from the inside. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us in Christ. In his name we pray, amen.